This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That prayer in verse 2, my God, we know thee, was not enough to stop the eagle because it was not a prayer of my God, we know thee intimately, personally, individually, as the Messiah who died for my sins. 1 Corinthians 15.3, 1 Corinthians 15.3, Messiah died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That prayer of verse 2, my God, we know thee, didn't turn the eagle around because it was not a prayer of my God, we know thee as sinners, dirty, rotten sinners who have been washed from our sins in your own blood. 1 John 1, 7, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That prayer in verse 2, my God, we know thee, was not enough to stop the eagle because it was not enough it was not enough because it was not a prayer of, my God, we know thee as those who have given themselves to follow the Lamb of God who took away our sins. Revelation 14.4, Revelation 14.4, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. That prayer in, in verse 2, my God, we know thee, was not enough to stop the eagle of judgment because it was not a prayer of, my God, we know thee as the Lamb that we cling to, we identify with. Matthew 16, 24, Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after him, me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh, Acts eleven twenty three. 23, Acts eleven twenty three. who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. You know, there's a great danger today, a great danger the danger is churchianity instead of Christianity. I'm for church. Church is important, but church can eclipse Jesus. And the risk with church is being so tied to a local church that there's no tie to the Lord Jesus. A link to religion 
without a link to the person of Christ, that's the danger. Just this last week, I was speaking to a son who lost his father. And I told him that when I lost my wife, how I needed the Lord Jesus more than ever before, the Lord Jesus filled a void left by my wife. And his response was, well, we are a religious family. Religion is not the same as Christ himself. Knowing about Christ without knowing Christ, that's the issue here. So God explains what happened with Israel. What happened with Israel in uh, verse 3, verse 3, Hosea 8, 3. Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. Israel has cast off the good. What's good? What's good? Psalm 14.1, Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and to seek God. The Lord looked down from heaven and asked the question, is there anyone on earth that does good? Is there anyone that I can find that's good? And he said, no, there's, there was none. And a man came to the Lord Jesus one day in Mark 10, 7, Mark 10, 7, when, when, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him, asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may, have, may inherit eternal life? The Lord heard that word good. And it says, good master, what should I do that I may, what, what, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? He says, good? He says, good? And he decides to ask the man the same question he asked. He asked the disciples in Matthew 16, 15. Matthew 16, 15, he said, he saith unto them, his disciples, whom say ye that I am? Whom say? So the Lord picked up on that word good. That man called the Lord Jesus good. And he asked that man, who do you think I am? Whom do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? In the next verse, Mark 10, 18, Mark 10, 18, Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That's God. And the Lord is saying to that man, you just called me good. There's only one person who's good. That's God. And with that statement, the Lord Jesus was challenging that man. Do you see the Lord Jesus was good because the Lord Jesus was God, because that's the link. And then the Lord Jesus put that man to the test to see if he really believed he was God or not. Because then it goes on in Mark 10, 21, Mark 10, 21, Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. If that man really believed that Jesus was God, then that man would have understood, God is telling me, God's got a deal for me. Sell everything I have, give it to the poor, and God says, I'll give you a hundredfold more. So that's what he said. There's nobody that's left on earth that he hasn't received a hundredfold. He says, God was promising to give him greater riches in heaven. And God says in verse 3, Hosea 8, 3, Hosea 8, 3, Israel has cast off the thing that is good. God is saying Israel's cast God off, like being in a boat. I always look at that term, cast off. You're going to be in a boat, and the boat's got to be lightened. You've got to lighten up the boat. 
So whatever is not needed, whatever is not necessary, cast it off, reject it, throw it away, put it overboard. That's God saying in verse 3, Israel cast off God, cast off the boat of their lives, cast God out of the boat of their lives. When does a person do that? When does a person cast off God? A person casts off God when he wants nothing to do with God again. He casts God off. When a person casts off learning about God, that person is casting off God. When a person casts off hearing with the Shema type of hearing, Shema hearing is different. Shema hearing is hearing with an intentional, intentional hearing, intention to obey God. That's when a person casts off God. When a person casts off prayer, a person casts off God. When a person casts off giving their money to God, their resources to God, a person is casting off God. When a person is casting off assembling themselves together, whatever you call it, if you call it fellowship, you call it congregation, that's what church means, congregation, that person is casting off God. When a person casts off worshiping God, that person is casting off God. When a person casts off trusting God and stop leaning to his own understanding, when it stops doing that, then a person casting off God. When a person stops doing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When a person casts off fearing God and keeps on sinning without any hesitation, secret sins, double life, a person's casting off God. When a person casts off speaking without profanity, without swearing, person casting off God. Psalms 36.3, Psalm 36.3, the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and do good. And when a person casts off being honest and not cheating other people, that person is casting off God. Now, even though it's a condemnation, there's something that God says. It's a condemnation verse, but there's something wonderful for us to see in verse 12. Verse 12, in verse Hosea 8, 12. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. It's a wonderful thing to hear God say he's written great things. Every word of that statement is wonderful. I, he says, I have written. The Bible is not just an ancient book that has no personal relevance to us. The Bible is for us the words that come right from the lips of our maker. And we live by those words that come from his lips. Deuteronomy 8.3, Deuteronomy 8.3, he humbled thee, he suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. Man didn't write this book. Man didn't write this Bible. God wrote the book. Man just transcribed it. And the closer you get to this book, the closer you get to God. When I was five years old, when I was five years old, I lived in L.A., the very poor community of Beverly Hills. I lived in Beverly Hills. And at that time, they built in Beverly Hills a, a new hospital called Mount Sinai Hospital. My dad was on staff there. And they built Mount Sinai Hospital. And it was a big building. It was seven story tall. That was big in those days. And I remember as a, later on in life, I was like I was seven, eight. 
years old, about the age of that picture on that book changed, you know, that I ride my bike over to Mount Sinai Hospital there, new hospital, wasn't far from where I lived. And at the base of the building, they had, um, they had the, ta the tables of stone with the Ten Commandments on it in Hebrew, engraved in them. And I thought to myself, those were the original Ten Commandments. <laughs> Moses brought those down from Mount Sinai. Those Hebrew letters, they're written with the finger of God. I knew they were, because I saw Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments. Those were the same Ten Commandments that Cecil B. DeMille donated to that hospital. And they were there, so I knew that those were the original ones I saw on TV. And I remember riding over there and putting my kickstand down on my bike and getting off my bike and walking very solemnly over to those stones. And I remember putting my finger in the engravings, the Hebrew engravings. And I said, wow, this is, this is where God's finger was. And I got my finger now where God's finger was. Somehow it made me feel close to God. You know? The Bible, these are the words of God. And when we immerse ourselves in the Bible, we get close to God. And that's what he says in verse 12. That's what he said, I have written to him. Those words are to him. These words are a to you Bible. The Bible is a narrative to you. When the Sadducees, the Sadducees who believed that there was no life after death, and they, and they were talking to the Lord Jesus about it, and he was, he was showing them from the scripture that there is life after death. What's the matter with you that you don't believe this? In essence, what he was saying in Matthew 22, 31, Matthew 22, 31, he said, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? God's not the God of the dead, but of the living. So the point is that he was making, he says, look, God said, I am the God, God told Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, that was spoken hundreds and hundreds of years after those people lived. When Moses was standing there, those people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, had been dead for hundreds and hundreds of years, for 400 plus years. And, and God said, I am their God. He didn't say I was their God. It was like God was saying, I'm their God right now. Oh, they're right here. Should I pass the phone over to them? They can talk to you if you want to talk to them now. That's in essence what God's saying. They can tell you right now. I'm their God. Here they are. They're right here. But what was amazing about that was how the Lord Jesus told that to them, the Sadducees. He said in Matthew 22, 31, Matthew 22, 31, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? God said that to Moses over a thousand years earlier, and the Lord Jesus, speaking a thousand years later, says to the Sadducees, that's right, that was written to you by God. For us, that means that this Bible was written thousands of years before, but God is saying, that's all right, this Bible is written to you by God. Now, something else is very beautiful about verse, and it's the word written, written. In English, the word appears in the past tense, written. But in Hebrew, it's not in the past tense. 
in Hebrew, it's in the present tense. So literally, what it says is, I write, I write to him the great things. That's the way it is. God writes the Bible, just like he said in Jeremiah 31.33, Jeremiah 31.33. This shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. God writes the Bible on our hearts. God writes what has been written on our hearts. And that's what God does with us. As a matter of fact, it's the Spirit of God, the person of God, the Spirit, who does this work. He is the one who writes in our hearts the Bible, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. And what God wrote, the great things that he's referring to who, God has written to us, God has written and writes in our hearts great things. Great things like Hebrews 2.3, Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? It was a great salvation because Isaiah 12.2, Isaiah 12.2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. That makes it great. It's Jesus as God that makes the salvation so great. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. How great is that? Jehovah's is Jesus, and he is our salvation. But the tragedy is, the tragedy was, and the tragedy is, the rest of uh, verse 12, the rest of verse 12, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. In Hebrew, zoor, a zoor thing, strange. You know what that word is used for in the Bible? The strange woman, the adulteress. The woman, what is she doing in that bed? She shouldn't be there. She's strange. That's the word. Uh, Proverbs 7, 5, Proverbs 7, 5, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. It's an alien. It's a foreigner. And they looked at the word of God, and the word of God is looked at today, and they said, strange, strange. Why? Why strange? Why strange? How is the Bible viewed as strange? Strange because they thought, doesn't concern me at all. Ah, it's got no real truth for me. Ah, the Bible. Strange. Because they didn't think that it was written to them. I have written to them. Jesus told the Sadducees, have you not written what God wrote to you? Strange because they didn't see it as written to them. Strange because they didn't shema. They didn't hear it with the intention of obeying. They didn't look at the book and say, oh, where's the promise I can keep? Where's the, where's the command I can obey? What's, what, what, I need one today. No, no, none of that. Strange because they didn't shamar, shamar, guard. They didn't guard. They didn't guard those words in their hearts. Like Mary, when Mary heard that Jesus says, I had to be about my father's business, Mary, it says Mary kept that in her heart. 
She just wouldn't let it go. Kept thinking about it over and over again. We read about those in the Bible, the other Mary. They guard in their hearts. They keep them. Strange, because they didn't do that. Strange, because they didn't know the author who wrote this. I have written to them. They counted as strange. Oh, who, who wrote that? Oh, some prophets wrote that. No, they didn't understand. God wrote that. Strange, because they didn't give themselves wholly to God, wholly to the author. Give myself wholly to you. Strange. Strange, because the eagle was flying, and the eagle struck, and that was judgment, and that were troubles. And it was strange because they didn't connect their troubles with the judgment of God. Why did that happen? That was the judgment of God. When uh, Joseph's brothers were in front of Joseph, and Joseph was pouring the trouble on them, you're going to be put into prison, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They said, uh, Judah actually said, Judah came up to Joseph, didn't know it was Joseph, and Judah said, God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. He connected the trouble that they were having in Egypt with throwing, casting Joseph into the pit. Strange because they didn't connect troubles in their lives with the judgment of God. Why is this happening to me, God? Strange because they didn't believe, believe that God is going to speak directly to me. No, no, no. no, no. Strange. Strange because they didn't teach the word of God diligently to their children. Their children. They said, oh, children, you know, let them choose the religion they want when they get older. No, I'm not going to indoctrinate them. Strange because they didn't teach them diligently unto the children according to the Shema. Strange because they didn't talk about the Bible, talk about the words of God when they got up in the morning and throughout the day and when they went to sleep at night. They didn't do Deuteronomy 6. I said it was Deuteronomy 8. It's Deuteronomy 6. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It was strange to them, like it was strange to a communist Russian teacher of a children's class who was trying to indoctrinate his children by telling his class that there is no God. And the teacher decided to attack the Bible as he told the class that he read the Bible all the way through and that he as their teacher had found the Bible to be fairy tale, full of lies. And he asked if there was anyone in his class that believed that the Bible was true, that they should raise their hand. And a little girl raised her hand to say that she believed the Bible. And the teacher, the teacher said, I have found this Bible to be full of myths and totally unreliable and a waste of time to read. And the little girl replied, that's what you get for reading someone else's mail. <laughs> Hosea 8.12, I have written to him great things. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for writing great things, great things. Lord, help us to not in any way view the things you've written to us as strange in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.